boxers. Um, Is that not the coolest thing? I love it. I love that they're. Uh, I love that they show. I have a moment of weakness. I might have cried. Like, of course, it's so good. It's so cool to see these uh these these uh, students step up uh, and care for this guy. And incredible to see, uh, it, like not only changed him. You know when he talked about it, like it was the greatest thing ever that he gave him some clothes and some shoes. But it, it said like a lot more to him. Like it, it like welcomed them in, it gave them these clothes. It changed them for being people who gave. And then did you hear like people heard about it? And so the people were giving clothes, like people who didn't know these people at all, now all of a sudden also became givers. Uh, him. I, I love, I love hearing these. I think at a time sometimes I don't uh, hear or remember these stories as much as maybe not so great stories. Um, it, it challenged me to think. Uh, what are the things that maybe change us? So today our passage in Ephesians is one, I think, that is going to encourage us to be people that do certain things. But I want to remind us, or the passage wants to remind us, uh, what it looks like and, and how we actually become people who change uh, and are people who do these things, I think, that we aspire to do. What really changes a person? What invites people in to want to join change in that way, to care for people in that way. People who change from maybe lying or sharing hurtful words or actions to people who are builders and encouragers, truth tellers, or want to tell truth in love. And what does it look like to be that person? What actually would cause me to move to be that person? So today I think the passage is going to help us give us some insight a little bit of that. And so we are in the book of Ephesians, um, and we're in Ephesians 4. So if you have your Bibles, we hopefully will be encouraged. What does it look like? And what, what steps can I take to, to be moved more uh, to be that kind of a person? Um, and so if you want to open your Bibles, otherwise all the passages uh, will be on the screen here um, as you follow. Let me just start here. This is uh, going to be in kind of four sections. Uh, and we're going to start with Ephesians 4, 17 through 19. So I tell you this, and I insist on it in the Lord. That you must no longer live as Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of grief. So this uh, is just in the middle of Ephesians 4. So it's helpful to know Ephesians, the book of Ephesians, uh, is a letter written to this church in the city of Ephesus from Paul, and he first starts the book off just explaining who we are in Christ, that we were dead and he made us alive, that he came to our rescue and has made us family. Uh, this incredible language that tells us who we are, explains what our identity is, where our value comes. And then he and then he transitions a little bit, but still continues to say, yeah, if this is true, then, it, then you're going to be these kind of people. And so now he's explaining that the gospel even brings together Gentiles and Jews, two groups that were uh, separated, groups that often would think of each other as enemies, or at least very different, they worship different things, and saying, even the gospel brings those people together, all people together, uh, you know, in one Jesus, in one God, in one spirit. And so uh, he now is switching and says, I tell you this, insist on the Lord, you must no longer live as Gentiles do. So before he's actually saying, <clears throat> you remember, 
He was saying Gentiles. He was saying even Gentiles are in now. He thought maybe Gentiles were out. But they're actually in too. These are people who are not Jewish people. Everyone is in. But now he's saying, don't live like Gentiles. But he's not really saying just Gentiles. He's saying the way the Gentiles live, which was futility in their thinking. Uh, they were separated from God. They were hardening their hearts so that their hearts weren't softened to what God had for them. They were living lost, <clears throat> having lost sensitivity. They were giving themselves over, indulging in every kind of impurity. This is the same language you heard in Ephesians 2. It says they indulged in the flesh. So ultimately you're saying, let's not be the people who just indulge, say, like, what feels good, what I just want, and pursue that. We want to be different people, and we are because, he's going to get to this, because of who we are in Christ. He says this phrase, lost sensitivity, and given over to sensuality, or greed. These are words, one meaning uh, sensitivity almost to others, looking outward, being willing to look towards and care and be builders of people, which we heard just earlier in Ephesians 4, and now given over to sensuality and greed, which are words that were described like inward focus. In fact, um, there's a few ways this passage has been described. Um, Pascal says, pride takes you from God and lust binds you to yourself. To explain this, pride, the idea of like, I don't need God, I got it. I'm prideful. I, 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 know, I know it. In fact, I'm almost God. And then that pulls you, turns you away from God. And then lust is a thing that then co connects you to yourself. There's actually a term that's been used uh, throughout history. I think it first started with Augustine and then it got quoted by Luther. Or it got quoted by um, So depending on what Google you use, a different person quoted this one. I'm going to attribute to Alvin. But they use this term, which I think is really helpful. This is really a, a term they used to define what sin was. <clears throat> and they said, sin uh, is, and they use this, this phrase, uh, which means humans being curved in on uh, oneself. So uh, this homo in curvitus in se just means man turned in on himself, which I love. This is a great explanation of what sin is. Sin is just us turning our desires our efforts, our motivations, just to ourselves. So it's about us. So all things I do ultimately are about what I want, what I should get. And so that means I use people around me, I use things around me, and the world really is about me, looking out for number one, me. Uh, and that's the description of what sin looks like. And so ultimately that's what we're hearing here in, in Ephesians. He's saying, hey, I, want, I want you to be careful here because we're, we're called to be people who are builders who grow things, who care for things, and if we're not careful, we're going to be people who turn everything in on ourselves. It's going to be all about us. So he says that, be careful of that, but then he goes on, thankfully, to explain, that, however, is not the way of life you learn. He's saying, be careful of that, but that's not the way life is. Because you've learned, the way of life you've learned, when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So here he is reminding us, like he does in a lot of places in Scripture, he says, hey, that's, that's a life, but that's not your life, because you've been given a new life in Christ. In fact, this phrase actually in Scripture uh, is actually, you did not learn the Christ this way. Which is different than just, this is not the way of life you learn. That can feel almost like information, like you took a class, you learned about who Jesus was, you learned like the way, the six steps of how to live like Jesus. And then you like go try to apply that to your life. And you fill out like your daily journal with the six steps of Jesus. This is saying you learned 
the Christ. You actually, the term is actually learned the person of Jesus. You actually experience and know Jesus, and therefore that isn't the life anymore. A life turned in on yourself is no longer your life because you know Jesus. This is unique because uh, religiously speaking, other ways that would have been spoken at this time when he wrote this, they would have talked about philosophies you would have learned and even how to take all the philosophies and kind of mix them together into the right um, version of philosophies for you, how to live your life, how to get kind of all your your uh, your favorites and make like the greatest hits of like, I like these philosophies and I follow these different people's teachings. And the, the language here is very clear that it's different than that language. It is, you know a person named Jesus and that is why you no longer can do this. Do you, con consider even our video we saw. He knew people, real people in his real life, changed him just because of them moving into his life and moving towards him. Right? He was different because he knew those kids, and those kids knew him. It, that changed them. There's a relationship that changed them. And so here Paul's reminding us, uh, you don't have to live a life Everything's inward towards you because you have known Jesus. You didn't just learn about him. You know the person of Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness. So this is explaining this to us. It's saying, you are taught, though, that you take this old life and you, like, remove it, right? Clothing, you take it off, and you put on this new life, this new attitude. This language is all over Ephesians, all over Scripture, that we actually have a new life. We've actually been taken from death to a new life. We actually were, like, we're, we're putting Jesus on, like he was a Jesus jacket. Our, our senior pastor, Steve Trichler, loves to talk about his Jesus jacket. He puts the jacket on. It's not... It's not just say I heard about Jesus and oh maybe take a few of his tips on life. I know this person and I like wear him. It's this different thing. It actually changes. It says here to be made in a new attitude of your minds. That phrase actually is that it changes like your the motivation, the way you look at the world through your your, your head and your heart. Your whole being changes because Christ has made you new. This throws us points us all the way back to the beginning of Scripture. In Genesis 1, when God first creates man, he says, so God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. This is, this is God making people, he creates them in his image, there's this different thing, it's like this, it's like we're wearing God. It's different than I, I just like follow some of his things. I am this representative, we've talked about this before, this image bears, almost like these statues or lights to the world to say, Oh wow, look at this. I like this. And you say, Yeah, it's because I'm reflecting, I'm bearing the image of this God who is, is so good. And so ultimately Jesus has come to say, You don't have to live an inward life. In fact, in putting faith in me, in my death and resurrection, you now can put me on and you can now become those people again. But you were first created to be in my image. It's just taking off the old self. And putting on this new self, this new humanity. It actually says this um, in Ephesians. I think I labeled this Genesis still, but this is Ephesians. 
uh, just earlier, by uh, Genesis, Ephesians 2, I believe, by setting aside his flesh, the law, his commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself a new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put death their hostility. So this is the phrase I want you to see. He created in himself a new humanity. We just heard this uh, a little bit earlier in this letter in Ephesians. It says Jesus dies and raises from the dead, and it doesn't just, so now we have this guy who's really cool, we should follow him. It makes us new people. It changes us to be new people. We now wear Jesus and represent him, and also it changes us so we no longer are just people who are trying hard to be nice people, We're trying hard not to be inward focused. He actually suddenly changes us. We talked about hearts being hardened earlier uh, in the passage today. It actually softens our hearts. It says in Scripture, Jesus takes our hard, stony hearts and makes them fresh again. It's incredible. We hear this language of clothing also in Romans. Rather, it says, clothe yourselves with Lord Jesus Christ and not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. That sounds really familiar, right? There's this desires that we have. When we feel I want to do this to feel good or feel comfortable or feel important. It's saying you don't have to do this anymore because now you clothe yourself in Jesus. It changes you. It changes your motivation, why you live, where you go, who you talk to, how you talk to people, because you're now clothed in Jesus. We become new as we put on our Jesus jackets. So this brings up our question of the day. My favorite outfit of all time, ever, was a coat that I was given. I actually saved up for it, and then my parents surprised me by giving it to me. <clears throat> it was a 1990s Green Bay Packer bomber jacket. This is not the coolest coat in the entire world. <laughs> I couldn't find a photo, so I just photoshopped myself in there. This was me in sixth grade. How <laughs> cool I was. Um, I wore this coat everywhere. It was like all the white became kind of brown because uh, I wore it like every day I possibly could to everything I possibly could. The buttons like broke, so it wouldn't even close. I, li- I didn't live in Wisconsin at the time. I lived uh, in Tennessee, and so I was like a proud Packer fan. Um, and the Packers weren't really that good then. Um, and so, like, you know, I was really a proud fan. I was like, they're not even good, and I still like them. When I would wear that thing everywhere, oh, it was the best. I got a nickname uh, that I was a pickle because I wore green all the time because I wore Packer stuff. This quote was a big part of it. This shiny, shiny starter jacket. Everybody else had a starter jacket. Those were out of the range uh, for a while. But I would put this coat on. I, I, and all the, you know, I was like a different person. I had this confidence about me. I would talk trash to people about football that I didn't even know anything about football, but I would talk, tra- your team's terrible and the Packers rule. Just because this coat like changed me, gave me this different person. I'd wear that thing around. But so I, I think as we think about what does it look like to be changed so that we're people, uh, we do these things that we all aspire to be. It's this, it's this putting on of Jesus. What does it look like to put on Christ? It's this putting our jacket on and zipping it up of Jesus. And before we get to even like, what is, so what does that look like? How do we put the Jesus jacket on? This passage goes to, if you do this, if we turn from just desires of our flesh and we put, take our old self off, but we put on our new self, which is Jesus, it's going to tell us what is that going to look like. 
He kind of expands on earlier in Ephesians 4. It says that we are called to be like people who build. Uh, it says, here's, here's what that might look like. Brothers. And so it's going to give us some ideas. What does it look like once we put those jackets on and stroll out? It changes us to become different people. It says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood. So this is going to kind of share, like, this is what your old jacket was like, and here's what Jesus' jacket's like. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. We're all members of one body. So here they're talking about within the church even. We speak truth to each other. When you're angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Oh, it changes how our, what our anger looks like. It doesn't necessarily don't be angry because there's things to be angry about. Uh, injustice and things that are, are not what God wants. But it says, do not let that be sin, sinful. Think of how much time, how, how often your anger is not because it's for like a just cause, it's just because someone like bothered me or interrupted me or even doing what I want them to do. You know, let sun go down while you're still angry. It's even this, like resolve anger, like forgive one another, resolve conflict. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer. Or does it want us to steal? We must work doing something useful with our own hands. He's saying even you put on this new jacket and no longer your hands used to get things for you, right? It's greed. It's no longer grab things for me. It's now I'm going to use my hands for something useful instead of just for me. So we may have something to share with those in need. Yeah, those are different. You, put the, you take the jacket off and you put the new jacket on and now my hands instead of like grabbing for me are like used to hand out for others. Reminds me of those boys we just saw. What else does it look like? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So you put this new jacket on, and the words that come out of your mouth are used to build up other people. You may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. It's a weird phrase, right? No, I assume most of us don't use that normally our day. I'm like, hey, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Have a good one. Uh, it's a phrase that is saying the work that the Holy Spirit has done has changed in you. And then you're going to grieve it as in we're going to, you're going to go like, eh, okay, you've been given this incredible gift. It's changing you. And you go, okay, I'm going to go back to Christ has changed you and this opportunity to be the person you're created to be, that person that God made way back in the beginning that the fall has destroyed, you now get to be those people again. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, um, along with every form of malice. This is the great, like, catch-all. Like, well, what about brawling? Yep. Slander, yep. Any kind of malice. Another word we don't really use often. Any of those things that are just, are, are really, like, almost violent attacks verbally, or maybe actually physically. We're going to end with this great phrase, be kind and compassionate to one another. It's a good summary. So what am I supposed to do? Just be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. you know what this ends? I, love, I love how this ends. It says, ultimately, all these kind of get summed up. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another. Just as in Christ, if you forgot, God forgave you. Now this can feel like a very long list 
depending on your own uh, kind of personality, your own history, just who you are, you're going to hear a list. You might quickly forget the other part of this passage. You might quickly start making your own list of like, yeah, I got to get on this. I'm going to speak more truth. I'm going to get angry less. You're less malice. Less malice. That becomes your mantra this week. No more malice. You just say, I got to speak truthfully. I got to not get angry. I got to stop stealing. I got to use kinder words. No more bitterness or rage or anger. Okay, just got to be kind and compassionate. I just got to forgive. Just like, okay, I have a list. Maybe you heard the list and you went like, okay, one of those I'm not really good at. I'll work at that this week. Or maybe you went like, I'm really terrible at a few of those. Uh, maybe I'll just keep being kind. If I'm really kind, maybe it outdoes the anger part. I don't think this is the purpose of this list. If that's the purpose of the list, then it just becomes another like section of self-help. In fact, uh, Barnes & Noble recently changed. They used to have a self and We used to say self-help, and then it just switched to self-improvement, and now it's called self-transformation. That's strong language. Um, section, right? At, at the thing, this is oh, this is a bookstore. I'm not following you know what this is. This is where they have like shelves of books. <laughs> you can go like read real with paper. It's crazy. I mean, you can buy them with money, and then take them home. You don't have to ship them even. So you like you take it home like then. Anyway, it's wild. It's called a bookstore. I don't know how long they'll be around. Um, but they have a section self transformation. Anyway, my concern is when I read this passage, I go, okay, yeah, I gotta put my Jesus jacket on, and I go, okay, Drew, let's work hard. Let's be better. Let's be kinder. I, I just so quickly go to, you got to do better. You got to check the things off the list. Listen to the end of this. Be kind and compassionate to others, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ is really important here. It's saying the source of these things is not. You're doing better. Jesus didn't die and rise. He didn't, he didn't sacrifice himself on a cross so that you'd be reminded, oh, you should be good people. He did it so that you could enter into him. You could be in a relationship with him. You could put him on you. You could say yes to him, and he would transform you. He would change you. And then that would become these things. He's saying these things are what it looks like when we are transformed by Jesus. Klein Snodgrass uh, is my favorite theologian name of all time. But I have been so excited to quote him again, just to get his name up there. Snodgrass. says this. This is so great. Obedience is always a response to grace. Do you hear that? So being obedient, doing these things, is us responding to the grace, this gift that we've been given in Jesus. God acts first, and then we respond. And so this passage is one where I quickly go, Okay, God, great. You gave me a list. I'll go do those things, and then I'll check in with you to see how it's going. I just want to encourage us today. I think this passage is one that could encourage us to remember how we become people who are changed. To be, I would love to be less angry over things I should not be angry over. I would love to build people up with my words way more. But to just set that in my calendar every day to say, like, build people up, build people up. Is not going to transform me, but Jesus is going to transform me. It's going to transform us. In Ephesians 4, we hear, uh, from, from him the whole body joined and held together by every 
supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the passage right before we started today. A reminder that we're called to be builders. And this passage that we're reading today is just saying, this is maybe what it looks like to build. To, to turn away from this other life and turn to this life of Jesus, clothing yourself with Jesus. And then this is what it'll look like to build. Be people who speak truth and that just aren't angry at each other, who resolve conflict, who speak in love. And so this checklist doesn't become, okay, we got, let's get this stuff done. It doesn't become, today Pastor Drew said, go out there today, this week, and stop being so angry. If you don't, I'm going to be so angry with you. <laughs> right? Instead, this checklist, like the Ten Commandments does for us, it reminds us, I can't do any of these things. You give me one day and I can I can ruin all of those things. Give me like 25 minutes with like a grumpy kid in my house and I promise you I can get angry. I can say words that don't build up. I can speak uh, lies. And so all those things tell me one thing. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm not going to do these. I need to put on Christ. I need to put on Jesus and rip him off. I need to maybe just sit in them and let them warm me a little bit. I need to enter into the cold wind and the rain. It's still here in April, and I need to like let him protect me. I need to walk out into the world with him on first and foremost. I need to say yes to him every single day. C.S. Lewis says it like this. I love this. He says, what God does for us, he does in us. The process of doing it will appear to me to be the daily and hourly repeated exercises of my own will in renouncing this attitude, especially each morning, where it grows all over me like a new shell each night. He explains, like, as I sleep at night, it's as if my old self grows over me like a shell. And every morning I had to wake up and say, I need you, Jesus. I got to put you back on. I need to remember that you saved me, that I was dead and you rescued me, that you called me your own, that you love me, that you comfort me, that you give me a future hope. Every single morning I need to do this. This isn't like a one time I put it on and then I think like, why am I still lying all the time? Why am I still using words to make myself look better than I am? It's because, as C.S. Lewis says, daily and hourly I need to continually be doing this. Martin Luther says, Baptism is to be lived. We daily return to our baptism. Love it. Every day, we die to ourselves and we raise in Christ. This is why I find myself in cycles of, of anger or lying, speaking ill of people, because I find myself in cycles of doing that over and over and over again, being affirmed over and over in my old self, being my old jacket being put on, I think like, yeah, yeah, I went on Sunday to church, I worshipped, went to a small group, I did that like a while ago when I was in college. C.S. Lewis reminds us, each day we do this over and over and over, remind us, until the day Jesus comes back. C.S. Lewis also writes in the book, Prince Caspian, this great interaction between Aslan and I here, who's Jesus, and Lucy. And, uh, Lucy sees Aslan again. She doesn't see her little eyes. She says, Aslan, you're bigger. And, uh, and he says, yeah, that's because you're older, little one. And she said, not because you are. He says, I'm not. But every year that you grow, 
refine me bigger. See what's happening there? Because every year that you grow, as you mature and grow, you find me to be bigger. That's what happens with Jesus. Every moment that we continue to turn to him, that we grow in our maturity and we more and more know that that list is, I need you, I need you, I need you, I need you. I can't do anything without you. As I grow even just in years and I realize I don't know what I'm doing, God, you do. God becomes bigger. Jesus becomes bigger. His sacrifice becomes bigger. I'm aware of how desperate I am for him. I'm aware of how big my sins are and how big his sacrifice was. How enormous that grace is. If you sit down with an 80-year-old who has followed Jesus a lot of their life, they will say, I am such a sinner. And Jesus is so big. Because they've lived a lot of years and realized, I really don't know what I'm doing. It's this incredible picture we get. And that's because every day, over and over, we remember a baptism. We die we realize Every day we break that shell off of us and remember who Jesus is and put our Jesus jacket on. I want to share just really quickly here as we as we end, um, why I think this maybe happens. This, this is why it happens in my life. In 2 Corinthians, we get this, this great passage that really describes life. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's this great illustration of how these really hard things come at us and it's as if we're fragile jars of clay, but this power of God can still hold us strong. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. This is a passage that reminds us of these things are pushing in on us, coming after us, but the power of God is strong to still hold us and sustain us. See, it also reminds me of these things happen in my life. I feel crushed. I feel pressed in on. I feel confused. I, I'm unsure of why these things are happening around me. I question what in the world is going on. I might feel persecuted for what I believe, struck down. And if I if I'm not putting on my Jesus jacket, if I'm not over and over saying, I need you, Jesus, then, then I often turn and want to use these same tactics back. If I'm feeling crushed by someone, I want to crush them back. If I'm feeling hurt with words from someone, I want to hurt back with them. I just put on the same jacket they got on, and we just battle it out and just destroy one another, crushing each other. I feel that even if I'm just hurt by someone, I might go to a different part of my life, and then I get to crush someone else. I'm, just, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling broken, feeling confused, and I just bring that in my own self-transformation to others around me. But if I have Jesus, 2 Corinthians reminds us that even as that death, the brokenness comes around me, that life of Christ still can come out of me. And even in those moments, life can still come from me. But the power of Christ is in me. But this might hurt me, and my brokenness isn't where the power is going to come out of Jesus is the one. One of the ways I've seen this happen in my life um, is when I, if I might lie about myself. Maybe you've been in a situation where people are talking about something and maybe you share a little exaggerated version of something or something you've done or you want people to think you're important. So this is just, this is just, uh, um, since we use this word, the why ladder, I hope, but we just, like, 
trying to get to the root of why that happens. I've had this happen where I'm talking to someone new I've never met. When I get in my car and I'm like, why did you tell them that? That's weird. So I kind of have to get to it. It's like, well, why did I lie about myself? Well, I wanted to look good. Why did I want to look good, right? Well, I wanted people to like me because I'm insecure. <laughs> and I'm questioning, am I, am I loved? And so this is where I can take off my old self and say, what's going on here? I can take that off and I can put my Jesus on, and Jesus reminds me of these really important things. I am loved. Jesus died for me. It says in Romans, Christ shows his love that he died for me while I was his enemy. He calls me his brother. My security is in him and his family. Do people like me? Christ loves me. The God of the universe says he loves me. Do I look good? I actually am called the light of the world. I'm bearing his image. And I look like Jesus to people if I'm I'm in Christ. And so I no longer need to lie about myself. I can tell the truth because I'm not worried what people are thinking. I'm worried if I can best care and show them the gospel. And so how do we do that? There's not really any like mind-blowing cool tips on this. Um, to put on our Jesus jacket looks like people who open our Bibles and get in the Word of God. The Word of God reminds us who Jesus is. And Jesus reminds us who we are. That, that tells us who we are. There's lots of things I can read and watch and look at. This tells me who I am. This is why I get together with friends and open this up. This book up. This is why every day I try to read a little bit of this. Because every day I need to crack that shell off and be reminded who God is. This is why I also like to pray. Just praying is not because you say, God, I need you. Direct me. Encourage me. Prayer can change me. It actually changes my heart. It like, Helps put my jacket on someone's zip up my jacket. I just need to sit and let God warm me, remind me who I am. That's why I love this picture because uh, sometimes I need my mom to put my jacket on. I need you, many of you, to come and say, hey, let's put our Jesus jacket on, Drew. And I'm fighting you like I did when I was four. And I'm kicking you. And I'm, I don't want my jacket on. And you're like, no, 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 no. We need to get your jacket on. When you're zipping me up. Sometimes you need a friend to zip you up and put your jacket on. Maybe you need a friend to like help you find your jacket because you like left it in the car and you need to go find it. So not only do I need the Word of God and I need the Spirit of God and need prayer, but we also need one another to build each other and remind each other each day of that. Just look at how often am I even doing that? How you know, Every day am I helping my friends put on a Jesus jacket? I'm going to invite the band up so we can spend some time worshiping the sweet Jesus of ours. So I want to encourage you, though, as we think back to our video, consider how this story of kindness and compassion changed this kid, changed all of these kids. In fact, it says changed kids in the school. All of a sudden, kids in the school were treating everyone different. The story, uh, even as it was put online, like changed other people who all of a sudden started being kind and compassionate. So a story about just a simple gift being given to a kid, some clothes, changed people's hearts. All those people, including myself, who watched this, were changed, but not long after, kind of went back to not being as kind and compassionate. So consider what understanding a gift like Christ would be. One who came and gave us the gift of life. 
entrance into God's family. Such an enormous gift. A gift that is just completely grace. We did nothing for it. What would it look like to the people who took that gift, were changed by that gift, day after day, would cause us to be people who carry that kindness with us, that compassion and forgiveness with us? We be people who are builders, and we see over and over other people who want to join in as they hear that gift being given to them. Friends, today you have been given a gift far greater than those cool green sneakers of life in Christ. And every single day we got to put it on together. This is why we get together on Sundays to remind ourselves of this. So a couple questions to consider as we spend some time reflecting now. Um, do you know Jesus forgives you first? Do you know that he has given you this opportunity, this gift? Maybe what keeps you from daily returning to Christ? Instead of maybe leaving here, with maybe you leaving here, you go, yeah, I do want to think about my anger. I would hope that your first on your list would go, how do I daily return to Christ? That's what's really going to change us. Who helps you put on your Jesus jacket? Who are those people? Maybe you just have to tell those people. I, I need some hands to tell those people. Like, I need you to help me put my jacket on. Because they don't know if they have like permission to. And you're like, oh, you have permission to put my jacket on. This is what I'm fighting you. Um, this is what I'm kicking you. I need something. I'm going to tempt you with some food slacks. But I need to put my Jesus jacket on. And then who needs Christ's kindness and compassion in your life today? Who do you get to put that jack on? Who do you get to encounter this week and bring that kindness to? We're going to take some time now to respond together. Um, we do that every week by taking communion. That's an opportunity to remember Jesus, what he's done. That We do that in the hallway. We have um, juice and wafers out there that you can take communion. We also have people in the back room who can pray for you. Um, and it's an opportunity. Maybe you just need that person to pray this for you. Just pray that I, I return to Jesus today. Uh, take that opportunity to, to pray with them. We also will be singing and praying here together. Um, and I always pray to, to get us started here as we just respond and worship. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us, your compassion on us. I pray that we would be moved. A video about some uh, kids is incredible. That, that moved my heart. It, it brings tears to my eyes. It, how much greater the gift is that you have given us life in you, power to transform our hearts and our minds, power to change us and our church and our community. And we pray you use us to bring great joy to our community as we're people who are changed by you. I pray that as we worship you, these words would be true uh, and they would change our hearts and transform us as we remember how good you are. Amen. Amen. Feel free to stand and sing and respond with us.